the 22nd chapter today uh, as we're closing up on this book of Revelation. I ask for the Lord's blessings in your prayer. This is a continuation of the same context of last week. We came into 21 and we saw John lifted up in the Spirit of God and revelation was given him. Again, the name of the book is Revelation, the manifestation of Jesus Christ who manifests the Father to us. Manifestation was given to him of what was in heaven and immortal glory and what came down from God out of heaven to us. We've talked about the last two weeks the the holy city, New Jerusalem. We talked about the walls, the gates, the entrance, the names written upon the foundation and the walls and the gates representing the elect of God. And as I said, also the apostles of the Lamb, which teaches me that this is about the church temporally in this world where the church is eternal, but it's temporally here. Understand that. Because this world will soon be destroyed because of its sin, but the church will be carried up to God. But all of this... bringing forth the preaching of the Gospel with the apostles being written upon the foundation. The foundation, And we talked about the stones in the walls of the city, uh, the foundation and the colors that they represented all being the sons of Jacob. And the pearls, the gates, the preciousness and purity of Christ who is the pearl of great price, uh, the street, the pure gold, the righteousness of Christ. And we came down to the gates being open and they shall not be shut. He opens the gate and when He opens, none can close. When He closes it, none can enter. To a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, the gates are open every minute of every day and there is no night in a spiritual sense bringing to you because this is shown to us in natural terms that we may understand the spiritual realm of Christ. There is no night in that city. There's no darkness in that city because spiritually speaking, the Son of God who is the light of God has driven the darkness out of our soul. Our soul, our body still sin, as long as we live in it or until the Lord changes it, But He's driven the darkness away so there's no need of the sun or the moon because the glory of God lightens our soul. And He began by the last chapter ended, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is speaking of those who are born of the Spirit of God, those who are God's children, that God gives life. God drives the darkness away. There will be no deception to you. You will be always in the knowledge, even in rebellion and sin, which we are by nature. Even in that, the knowledge of God is in your heart because God has placed it there. And I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again today to make the point. One can live in rebellion and sin and darkness and therefore they live in 
misery. But as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, anyone to whom God has put His Spirit within and given life believes God because God is there. We may never know it. We may never see it. We may never understand it. But the Lord God does, and that's enough for Him, His purpose. Now, speaking of chapter 22, and you pray for me, I want to get through five verses if we can, at least at least the first five. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. I've used this several times during this text, but I'm going to read it to you today. Verse 16 of James chapter 1, Do not err, my beloved brethren. He said, make no mistake about what I'm fixing to pen, what I'm going to tell you. This is the truth. This is the only truth. Every good gift... Everything we have is a good gift from the rain to our food to our clothing to our freedom to our nation, our republic, our jobs, our homes, the clothes on our back. Every good gift. Every temporal gift. And every perfect gift. The Spirit, the ministry, the church, our marriage, our family, all things that are in the perfect purpose of God. Family goes a long way. That's the first institution God created on day six when He made the man and woman from the dust of the ground or the man from the dust of the ground and the woman from the body of the man. Every good gift, every perfect gift, everything contained in the purpose of God for His children here in the world. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We've talked about Antichrist throughout this book of Revelation. The book is the manifestation of God the Father through God the Son to God's people to reveal, to make known, to give an understanding, to give knowledge, to give life. For the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God, is life. That's plainly penned in John 17 about verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know Thee and Jesus Christ, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. When God gives you the knowledge of Christ and writes His law on your inward parts, then you have life. Everything that comes down, every good gift, every perfect gift, cometh down from God. Every blessing we have is in God the Father through God the Son and the Godhead. And there's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. The Lord told the Jews, because that was all that was left at the time of Israel, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God's purpose will be. And He told them there in Malachi, before the 460 years of darkness. There would be no prophets. Did not change the fact that God is, that He sent no prophets. Did not change the purpose of God. Antichrist who seeks to deceive cannot change the truth of God and cannot change the purpose of God. It is and it will be, yea and amen. 
And then he says, of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. I wish every child of God could know that fact. It is not of us. It is not of the ministry. It is not of the church. Of His own will beget He us, His children, were the Word of truth. Born of the Spirit of God in Christ. Now I said all that to make the point that what we're about to talk about and read and hopefully give you an understanding, the Bible says it proceeded. It came out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But His throne is in heaven. He sits upon the circumference of the earth. Well, the earth flat, the flat earthers are really going about teaching that right now. That's not biblical. The Bible says He sitteth upon the circumference of the earth. The ball, the circle, the earth. And my point in telling you that is His throne is in heaven. He's in heaven. He's done whatsoever He pleased. God is in heaven. He is the Lord of lords, King's Creator, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And the Lamb, again pointing to the deity of Christ, being the same as the Father, He is the Son of God, but He's God Himself in the flesh. We sing that song I love so much. Who is this that comes from far with garments dyed in blood? It's God in the flesh, the man Jesus Christ, the Creator of heaven and earth. Here is God on the throne, and that's where this comes from. Here is the Lamb of God that shows us His sacrifice, His coming into this world, laying aside the glory that God had bearing the likeness of sinful flesh yet without sin. That's a sacrifice I would not do. I'm a man. I hate the things I have walked through. I hate the things I think daily. If I was in perfection in heaven above, there's no way I'd come into this world. But God, remember those words, but God in His great love, He has None other could. My point with all that is this gift comes from God and Christ. It comes from God through Christ who died for our sins to redeem us from our sins, to make us holy and without blame before God the Father in love. Therefore, since we are no longer sinners in the eyes of the Father, He's put away our sins. He does not see them anymore. The blood of Christ hath redeemed us. Therefore, this is talking about the Spirit of God, therefore we can bear the Spirit of God. We're going to go to Genesis briefly and make the point that God drove man from the Garden of Eden. What was the purpose? To protect the way of the tree of life. What was the purpose? Was it anger? Was it judgment? I'm certainly God had the right to be angry, but if you read that text, He says, unless man should drive him, we were going to drive him from the garden, lest he take of the tree of life and live in this condition of sin, God drove him. That's an act of mercy. That's an act of mercy. We were sinners who could not stand before God and were driven from God. Here we are having the knowledge of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
the knowledge that was taken away of what we could have known and what Adam did know of God, taken away, no longer to see His face as the pre-incarnate Son of God. But now that knowledge is returned to us through faith in Christ, which is a gift of the Spirit. Let me get to my point. Ezekiel 47. We went from Ezekiel 40, 48, several places in here because this, beginning in about chapter 40, the Holy Spirit gives Ezekiel the revelation of the Spirit to measure the temple of God. This is all a temple of the New Testament church. He is the He being the Spirit of God is using the Old Testament rituals and services and using types and pictures of them to teach Christ. For the law and the prophets prophesied until Christ. they are types and shadows of Christ. That this Jewish man would be able to understand. And all of these ordinances and places and sacrifices within the city of Jerusalem, Old Testament worship, were used to show the pattern and doctrine of the New Testament church. I said when I started Revelation a year and a half ago, we'll never preach this. We'll never preach this. And I barely touched it. Ezekiel's the same way. A symbolic book in which things were given to an Israelite in the tradition of the Israelites that it would point to and that we might be able in this day and time because it's for us. It's what Peter said, the Spirit of Christ which is in them, who the prophets of old, that they should prophesy unto us today the things which are contained in the suffering of the Christ and His passion which was to redeem you from your sins and present you to the Father. Now, with that said, let's start the text. Now this gift, this river of life, life, life from death, we were dead, and you hath He quickened while you were dead in trespassing sins. The God who spoke when there was absolutely nothing but God, and when God spoke, it was this pure river of water of life. Back to Ezekiel 47. This is dealing with a river of water of life. This is dealing with the Spirit of God. If you remember when we went through the first 12 chapters of Genesis, when we got to this, we talked about the tree of life. That was... A tree with fruit physically in the world that God placed there in the Garden of Eden with Adam. There is only one. I can guarantee you that. For it's a type of Christ. And there is only one Christ. There's only one life. There's only one salvation in the realm of eternity. There's only one Savior. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It was there. It was there. There was river of water there. That was all taken in sin. And death abounded. Now, regarding the text, afterward He brought me again under the door of the house. This is the temple. This is the church of God. This is the city of Jerusalem as it was in the law. Remember, these people are now carried away from their homeland in the sense of not being able to worship 
All the worship of God for 70 years was completely forbidden and taken away. God suffered them. He gave them over the hand of their enemy because of their sins. Somebody today needs to teach people that. Because we're about to lose everything we have in the freedom of this nation. Afterward, He brought me again to the door of the house. This is the church. And behold, waters, waters, water represents the Spirit of God issued out from under the threshold of the house. There's a pretty picture, it's a true story back in Kings, a Levite married a woman, she was a harlot. She was out in the night and she was basically taken and abused and she died at the temple. I mean, she died at the threshold of the door. I hadn't thought about this in 20 years. But let's take that as what it's representing. Because everything in the Bible is true and everything in the Bible represents Christ. That woman was married to a Levite. She represents the law, okay? The law brought them right up to the threshold of the door, but they could not enter into the righteousness of God by the law. It took grace. Moses, a Levite, the giver of the law, could step right up to the border of the promised land, but he could not bring them into it because of his sin. The law declares our sin and the righteousness of God. But Joshua and Ephraimite, God used to bring them into the promised land. Joshua, there's the same. In the Greek, it's translated Jesus, Savior. Two very pretty pictures of the Old Testament. Afterward, He brought me again into the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. Where does the light come from? Eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under. The right side of the house, at the south side of the altar. I got a chuckle last night reading this about midnight when it hit my mind the old cartoons. There's one Tom and Jerry has, and the house is filled with water. It can't get out the door. It's trying to come down under the threshold, and it all stands up in the house until the door is open and all the water gushes out. It's just a cartoon. But it's a representation, agrees with this. The waters, the Spirit of God in the house of God at the threshold, springing up. What did Jesus tell the woman in John 4? A well of water springing up into eternal life. Where are these people in Ezekiel? They're dead spiritually. They're in bondage. Seventy years of desolation. Suffering the results of their sin. And even in the chastening of God, God works His purpose. The waters came down from under the house. Then brought He me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. There's the light again. Who is the light? Christ. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand, a measuring line, 
because he's measuring the temple. Again, he's told to measure the temple because if you measure it and you inspect it, you're going to know what's there. It's going to be revealed unto you. You're going to have that knowledge. This is knowledge of the New Testament church. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way on the other gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand, the measuring line, went forth eastward toward the light, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. He didn't get there by himself. He was brought there. Colossians 1.13, The Father hath translated you into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. You didn't get here on your own. It was not your choice. It was not your works. It was not your doing. It was not your money. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who brought you here. He brought me through the waters, through the Spirit. Brought you to the Spirit, in the Spirit. Either way you want to consider that. The only way you got here is in Christ. The waters were to the ankles. Can you remember back far enough? I cannot remember the first time when you heard the Gospel and you felt the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of that. God had already given you life or you could not hear. Dead men cannot hear. But the first time you heard it, it's ankle deep. But it, it, it feels so refreshing. It feels so comforting. It's bliss. Mournful joy in the heart for the Son of God who died for you. What a love. What a love. Everlasting. They're to the ankles. They're there. And He measured a thousand and He noticed they're all, each one's a thousand. Again, as in Revelation, Everything's the same. Everything's perfect. Every measurement the same as in a cube. It's showing us the perfection of the purpose of God and the work of God. There's not any change in it. There's not any adding to it. There's not any taking away. What was taken away, the old covenant, was taken by God in Christ when He fulfilled it to a jot and a tittle. What we have today is not going to be taken away. Antichrist, the doctrines of wind in the world attempt to change it and take it away, and we'll cover that before we close this chapter out. And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. It's getting deeper. <laughs> now, if you can, and I cannot, Remember the first time that you heard the Gospel. man down in Mississippi is deceased and gone to be the Lord. He grew up an order of people. He said, I didn't believe election. I didn't understand election. I was never taught election. I just didn't believe it. It didn't make any sense to me at all that God would suffer people to not have an opportunity to come to heaven and send them to hell. 
He said, and all of a sudden one day, sitting there in Mount Hebron Church, God revealed it to me. The Spirit was deep upon me. And I started to cry because then I realized, why would God spare any of us? It's all in the purpose of God in election, in the election of grace. The waters were to the knees. It's deep. God gives understanding. God gives revelation. We've talked about this, Steve and I have, and I have with those few ministers that I still have any contact with. That's not their fault. That's not mine. COVID and all the stuff that's going on. We don't see each other like we used to. And when you pastor a church, you don't see each other like you used to. But we talk. And if you go back through history, you see a time when the doctrine was so solid in the first century, and then a, maybe it was called a time of apostasy, and all that we've been talking about through this book. And since that time, since that time, things have become more clear. History has passed, events have happened. And what I'm trying to tell you is the knowledge of God has been given to us greater and greater as time passes by. Maybe that's because God gives us hindsight 2020 and we can see history explained. Maybe it's because of the perilous times that we live in and God provides more of the knowledge of Christ that we may have peace. Now that's not necessarily biblical. That's observation. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. He measured a thousand, brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. Way up at your belt line. How deep, how deep, how deep. David gives songs of degrees. Here you see degrees, ankles, knees, loins. As needed, God provides grace. Heard a brother say many years ago, I pray for me to have traveling grace. It takes grace to live. It takes grace to die. It takes travel across three states to go preach at a church on a Saturday when you've been invited to come. We traveled all over the world. I don't do that anymore. All over the southeast as far as Texas anyway. I heard I don't do that anymore, but I did enjoy it. Degrees in God providing. And afterward, He measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not pass over. He couldn't swim across it. He couldn't get across it. It was impossible for a man to cross it. Now, try this. Luke 16 in the story of the rich man who fared so good in the world and the poor beggar. We'll get into that some other time. It can be used both ways and make a true point both ways in the church and heaven and hell. But my point to bring out to you is this. This river could not be passed over. When the man prayed that the Lord would send someone from the dead, i.e. Christ, to His brethren... He said, they got Moses the prophets. 
He said, but Lord, if one went unto them from the dead. He said, they wouldn't believe it if one went to them from the dead. That tells me his brothers were representing some who were not God's children, even though they were all Jewish in Israel. But my point with that is this. He said, there's a great gulf fixed between us and them. They can't come here and we can't get there. This is that gulf. This is the river of grace. This is the Spirit of God which flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. It cannot be passed over. That's five. Let me give you a little more. Go back to the text. I want to come back here because we're not through. So I'm going to stick that card there. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, the Spirit of God clear as crystal, beautiful, clean, shining, pristine. Crystal is the only way John knew to naturally describe it. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. The beautiful, perfect Spirit of God coming from God to us here. John 14, and Jesus said, It's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Father will not send you the Comforter. What's the Comforter do? He brings to remembrance former things and teaches us of Christ. There's the knowledge of Christ. There's the revelation of the Son of God. There's the revelation of God the Father. There's the revelation of the Godhead. When we get to heaven in immortal glory, we will worship the entire Godhead and the way that God purposed from the foundation of the world. All of this is in heaven in immortal glory. We can't see it. Paul said we see through a glass darkly now, but then face to face. We see by faith, but it's come down from God to us in the Spirit of God and is revealed unto us. Who did it come from? The Father and the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, it's a city, it's got streets. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life. We've already talked about the third chapter of Genesis. With the tree of life, the way to it was sealed. We were now sinners. We were no other, no more good and upright by one man, the first one God created. You want to talk about free will? We had it one time. That was Adam. And how'd that work out? It was an act of mercy when God drove Adam from the garden. Sin could not exist before God. We would have all been consumed in the righteous wrath of Almighty God. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river was there the tree of life, Genesis 2. There in the midst of the garden was the one and only tree of life. That was a tree with leaves and fruit. Adam never ate of that. That tree, that one single tree, represents the Lamb of God. He from whom our life came. I am the way to God, the truth, God manifest, and the life. He is our life. Only Him. He alone is worthy 
to be praised. And each side of the street in the city, each side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve banner of fruits. Well, let's examine twelve. Twelve tribes of Israel, the elect of God, all housed in heaven in immortal glory in eternity forever. And the twelve apostles of the Lamb, temporally speaking, here in the world. That represents the New Testament church. What are the trees for? Back to Ezekiel. I'm watching the clock, so don't run over too bad. So we need to get over there. Back where we left off. Chapter 6, Ezekiel 47. And he said, Son unto me, Son of man. Is that not a statement? Son of man. Son of a sinner. Begotten in sin. Brought forth in sin. Son of man. You want to talk about the hope within us? Hast thou seen this? This is our hope. This is Christ. Then He brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Out there where He couldn't swim or get over it, He brought Him back to the bank. Back to the brink. Back to the mouth of the river. What is the mouth of the river? The throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. He brought me back. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees. Here's your trees. Revelation 22. God had trees in Eden. You're going to see one difference in this place in both these texts, 47 Ezekiel, Revelation 22. There's a tree of life. But there's not a tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's not Satan. There's not a serpent there. When we reach heaven and immortal glory, there will be no Satan. There will be no sin. There will be no death. There will be nothing but perfect bliss with God and the knowledge of God. We'll see His face and everyone He gave to the Father will be there. Not one added, not one taken away. In perfect unison, in perfect harmony, in perfect righteousness, raised up in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And there we will worship Him without intrusion in the perfect way. He purposed forever and ever and ever. Now you can get out here in this river of the stream where we're brought and have that knowledge. We can't get over it. We can't get to it. But when we get in that land, all the Bible says God shall be all in all. God will be in everyone there. Every creature created, elected, preserved, and kept there. God will be there. And here in this world... Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have a fortress. We have a kingdom where the gates of hell, even as we are badgered and agitated and afflicted and persecuted in this world and body of Christ, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The book is talking about the knowledge of God. It is talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ, both in heaven and immortal glory, just diffraction. And in this world, in the kingdom of God, we cannot in this body endure the knowledge of heaven and immortal glory. Let's get to the text. I'm going to run out of time and I want to get through some of this. These waters issue out toward these country and go down down from God to us into the desert. Desert's dry, dusty, nothing hardly grows there. And go into the sea. This represents the dead sea. It's salted. 
Fish are not in it. Life is not in it. Nothing can live there. It's dead. Completely dead. Well, what level of depravity are you, some would ask. There's only one level of depravity. That's dead. Dead men can't move, see, hear, don't get hungry, don't get thirsty. It's why the Lord said to Beatitudes, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God has given them life. And now they seek after God. You give that glory to God. This water will go down in the sea. I don't care if you consider that the Dead Sea, the Sea of Time, or the Sea of Men. If it's a child of God, it all applies. Which being brought forth into the sea, when this river of water, this river of life, when this Spirit of God is brought into the Sea of Time, the Sea of God's people, the Dead Sea, whichever, either way you want it, it all applies. The waters shall. This is one of those shall, shall, it will, shall be healed. The dead waters of salt shall be healed. When the Spirit of God gets there, there's healing, there's life. And it shall come to pass that every living thing that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, where they go, it's not up to you. It's not up to me. Listen to this. Preacher's not going to preach you there. Church's not going to get you there. The choir's not going to sing you there. All the drums and guitars and trumpets and movies they show in these newfangled things they call churches is not going to get you there. It's nothing but entertainment. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, God gives life, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. It's 15 till, and to give us time to get over to see Viola, I'm going to close there. It's kind of in the middle of the text, but everything in the Bible is. But let me give you an idea. Let me give you something to think about all week. Fishermen and fishing nets and the Spirit of God. <laughs> Let's see how the Bible reveals the Bible. Matthew 4, verse 18, beginning a text, there's a paragraph marker. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. That's how they made their living. Fishing. Christ is going to call them. For ye see your calling, brethren. Christ is going to call them. He saith unto them, Follow Me. Watch this. <laughs> and I will make you, these two men, 
fishers of men. There's going to be fish. There's fish to be caught. And there's a net to be used. And that net is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. When God has given you life and you can hear, He calls you by the Gospel to the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 And watch this. And they straightway, straightway, immediately, God help us, left their nets and followed Him. And going on from thence, He saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They used to say these were representing my sons because I've got such a big mouth. And the ship was Zebedee, their father. They're called sons of thunder, mending their nets, and He called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father. Fishers of men. What's He saying? There's a multitude of fish. There's men to be caught. We'll take it up there next week, Lord willing.